VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this free episode of Hollander and Duncan. If you would like every episode of Hollander and Duncan, all of Nate's and Danny's podcasts, all the team preview podcasts Nate is doing this time of year... All of that ad-free, plus my daily dunks, our cap sheets, and much more, you can subscribe to Dunkdown Prime at dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. All right, John, my last pan con tomate is in the books. Uh, I'm coming <laughs> back stateside tomorrow, but we've got a little bit more uh, to talk about here. I want to catch up uh, on some of the news since Danny is uh, on hiatus with uh, all the team outlooks that we're doing. And then, of course, get some more uh, of your great mailbag questions. Uh, we really appreciate you guys helping us out, and hopefully these are topics uh, that are interesting to everyone. So nothing amazingly huge has happened since uh, we last talked. I think probably the biggest thing would be Kelly Oubre going to the Sixers. Yeah, that... Um Oubre and and Christian Wood, to a lesser extent, are interesting cases because the market just kind of wasn't there for them, even though they both had really good offensive numbers. And I I was a little surprised by that. I mean, historically, points per game has been a disturbingly good predictor of what players would get in free agency. And so so I'm pleased that that is broken down and that Bruce Brown got $23 and Kelly Oubre did not. But at the same time, I was I was... Kind of shocked it turned this sharply. I mean, Ke- Kelly Oubre to me was a was a mid level exception guy, and so for the market to not even value him at that level took me aback a little bit. Yeah, it's surprising. It's almost to me like there's maybe even an overcorrection on some of this, but I think there are some elements that unite the players that put up numbers last year and that didn't get more than the veterans minimum. Guys with some character questions and guys who put up. A lot of traditional stats in the box score, but maybe don't do so efficiently or don't have a reputation of contributing much uh, to winning basketball. And so like Malik Beasley is one of those. He, he of course, uh, had that suspension in Minnesota and then fell out of the Lakers rotation and would, you know, so many teams have given up on him. And, you know, he seems very focused on on his numbers. And Oubre, I think a guy who's been a little bit of a difficult personality over the years. Um, Now, if you could put up a 27.5 usage rate with only a 6% turnover rate, that's pretty good. Also means you're probably just shooting the ball before you can turn it over <laughs> and, uh, and and never passing. But yeah, it seems like maybe there's almost like when people are saying, oh, man, the middle class is getting wiped out. Those are maybe three guys that would probably be pointed to pretty early on. Eric Gordon maybe being another one. Yes. Although it's, Eric Gordon went so early that I guess you weren't totally sure if the mid-level would have been there for him later. Kind of like how Grant Williams had to wait, but it was there for him once once he waited. Yeah. That that said, I 
I mean, Kelly Oubre is great value for the Sixers. I mean, you know, warts and all or whatever. This is a team whose backup wing rotation has been pretty bad for a while. And to to get a guy who's potentially a 20-point scorer off the bench, I mean, that, that certainly helps Philly. I mean, I, I can't see any way this transaction can hurt the Sixers. No, uh, I think not. Uh, and, you know, Danny and I were talking about Philly and, you know, all the issues that they have with Harden. And I think their over under was 49 and a half. And I'm like, I, that still seems too low to me because they still have Joel Embiid and they've got probably more depth than they had two years ago when Simmons sat out. So even if Harden just uh, ends up being a total no show, I still think they're a better team than that, at least uh, in the regular season. Yeah, it's interesting. I think. Tyrese Maxey, who's potentially such a key guy to all of this sure. in terms of how much he can ramp up and how much of that is just going to be raw shot creation versus versus really being a, a perimeter creator who makes stuff easier for other players. Uh, I Yeah, I, I still might be tempted to hit that under, but... Uh, the 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 hard the Harden question still does loom over this team, and I think to be I mean we've we've seen I mean they weren't they weren't good enough even with Harden and Embiid last year they they were close but I just I just have a hard time seeing them seeing them get to the, to a high level without without everything being aligned and clicking because I I just, I just yeah. don't think they're at a talent advantage relative to like Boston or Milwaukee. Oh, sure. I've been like the number one Philly playoff doubter uh, since uh, they disappointed me in losing to the Celtics in 2018. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, but but for regular season, you know, it seems like they, they've been, you know, at that level, basically whenever uh, Embiid has been healthy. Obviously, if he has a catastrophic injury, that, that could change things. But yeah, Kelly Oubre, I think he's uh, a solid death. You know, if you're going to compare, especially like, you know, Torian Prince getting uh, the BAE from the Lakers, right? Like, and yeah. Oubre not getting something like that. Like, that's, I, I think Kelly Oubre, is, to me, is a better player than Torian Prince. Uh, although, again, I mean, I think there's just, he's never really kind of wanted to be the player that probably would get him paid more, and that's maybe an issue. Yes. Potential, like, pretty good defender in isolation, but has never really been locked in on, like, a, as, like, a team defender. And then, obviously, prone to dribble blindness, where he's just putting his head down and shooting the ball every time. Uh, I do think for Philadelphia, one very key thing is that his presence takes them out of having to play P.J. Tucker. I mean, we saw how that Boston series went on, how they just completely ignored him. It, it is much more plausible to me now for Bo- for Philly to play Tobias Harris at four because they have somebody who can legitimately play the three if Harris moves up to four. Yeah, it'd be interesting seeing... Ubre gets set up a, a little bit more like can he make some more open threes uh obviously and the last time he was on a real team well no, i guess that's not true like that hornets team actually was over 500 the, the first year but the last time he was really held accountable and asked to play a role uh, of course in golden state it, it went pretty poorly uh in okc this is not like a huge thing i think for the thunders fortunes maybe more for the player that alexi pokashevsky who had a few moments 
a year ago, but obviously it is very thin and has had to play a lot of center for them. Sprained his ankle. He's going to be reevaluated in six weeks. It was about a week ago that this was the case. So he's probably going to miss the start of the regular season. And that's just, that's really tough for him when you consider this Thunder roster crunch. And you know, this is a, a key year for him. He's actually extension eligible, uh, hilariously enough. And there's a crowded front court now. Uh, the thin towers may never come to fruition with he and, and Chad Holmgren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think he was potentially going to play a lot of backup five for them this year. And now it'll be it'll be interesting because Jalen Williams will get first shot at that now. Uh, the the not the not the really good Jalen Williams, the other one. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see, you know, if Jack White slips in there or whatever. Robinson, I don't know if Robinson Earl is even going to make the team at this point. Like they got some, yeah, some roster issues to work through too. Uh, but yeah, tough, tough, tough one for Poku. Yeah, I think I think you're. I don't really think it affects the the Thunder that much unless Chet Holmgren gets hurt too. But, but otherwise, I think they're probably just roll along with Jillian Williams, and you probably don't really even notice. Well, so Poku's making five million this year. The last year was rookie deal. Is he someone that you would attempt to acquire for a song if you were another team? Like, has he shown enough? or has he just remained like too much of a curio for your taste? Yeah, I don't know if I'm taking the plunge on that right now. It would be... I'd, it would have to be pretty low risk. You know, would I trade a second? Yeah, I might do that. <laughs> well, yeah, know, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even the fact that he's making $5 million this year and he's kind of just a flyer, even that is, um, you know, because it might get to the point where the Thunder are like, hey, we might just, like, he's not part of our plans. Like, let's send him somewhere to a, a team that wants him. Because I don't, I don't think they're going to waive Bertans because they need him for salary matching potentially in the future. And I mean, basically, you know, they seem to like Robinson Earl better than Poku, although I don't, I don't really know that to be true. And really, everybody else has like some profile or or has played well for them. Yeah, I think Terrence Mann could be vulnerable there too. I mean, they they shopped him pretty openly at various times. So uh, uh, Trey, in, Trey Mann, Trey, Trey Mann. Mann. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, so in, yeah. interested Ter- to see how Terrence that one Mann works is, out. Terrence Mann is the greatest a- asset in uh, <laughs> NBA trade history. You can't he, include- he, uh, Roddy Bobois, uh, who. who who else is on that legendary <laughs> pearl clutching list. over? You can't include Terrence Mann in a James Harden trade. Like, come the fuck on! Like, really? Like, yeah. what are you saying right now? Uh, I, I mean, I will say that uh, you know, perhaps with what little discussion I, I've had on the matter, that this idea of him being totally untouchable maybe is a little overblown. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, like, but there has been like all this support, like, oh, it can't, uh, can't move on from him. Like, is he ever going to be like a really, a real starter in his career? Like good player, certainly like fits in, in some of these lineups really well. Like, but yeah, let's, uh, but yeah, to, uh, Trey man. Yeah. I mean, it's like, to me, he and Poku are the two guys that I would probably be looking to move on from. And, uh, because they just, uh, and yeah, all right. You drafted those guys 17th and I think 18th. Uh, but you know, they're not necessarily on the path but maybe they still have a loop of potential and uh, another team would be interested in them. You kind of do them a solid, I think, because they've got, you know, all these draft picks going forward. I, I do think that they're at the point where agents are just going to want, like, like I think it's important to actually treat Poku and Trey Mann well, because otherwise agents are going to be like, well, you know, we don't want to go to OKC where it's just like the young just are getting eaten like this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the thing is, these, these players who will be going to OKC in the future are going to be pretty high draft picks mostly, right? I, 
I just, yeah, maybe. I, so I, I, I mean, but if like if if OKC has the 16th pick, right? Are you do you really want to? If you're a prospect in that range, you probably don't want to go there. Probably right? at There's the just, point yeah. where you yeah, you probably at the point right now where you don't want to go there because there's eight other young guys that you're you're fighting with for playing time and recognition and whatever. Uh, so I I do think that's tough. Yeah, to me, this isn't really that big of a problem though. Uh, overall, I mean. And because like this is what's supposed to happen, like you have this many picks, right? They've tried to do a few consolidation trades in which they've uh, overpaid. One of which was to get Poku in the first place. And so, but but I think like yeah, you get yourself a number of bites at the apple, and not all draft picks work out. That's just how it's going to work. I think this idea of oh, too many draft picks, too many draft picks, like ah, you know, I, I think like you know, half of these guys aren't going to work out. As long as the problem is if just holding on to them for too long, I think, and and not letting new guys come in. So I am mean, very curious to see what happens with poku and trey man this season and whether they end up on the roster or who else they cut how they're going to get down to 15 will, will be pretty interesting one of the one of the uh, interesting subplots of uh, of training camp as we come into it the them and them and uh, memphis is in somewhat a similar position uh although probably just comes down to josh christopher versus kenny lofton Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John and Benedict use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. 
Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. Jared Vanderbilt, four years, $48 million contract extension with a player option on the final year that will kick in next season and also uh, makes him untradeable this year. I think that last part is maybe more important that it just it that what it does to your flexibility just to lock in Jared Vanderbilt like he's a good player I don't know if there's going to be a bidding war next summer I don't know if you needed to lock that in right now especially when you're when you're LA where guys tend to want to be like if he gets the same offer next summer from the Lakers or Utah which one do you think he's taking (laughs) um now it does make him tradable next summer though which is nice. Uh, I think that's they've often had issues where they just haven't had enough tradable salary in the summer. They have these rosters that turn over, maybe even not turn over, but they've got like, you know, four guys under contract and everyone else is a free agent. So actually, I think having that as matching salary, that's not bad next summer could be useful. Uh, And they could be in a situation where a lot of their future opens up depending on what New Orleans does. Uh, with uh, this deferred traffic if they take it this year uh la could trade their 25 they could trade their 29 and they could trade their 31 next off season so they actually could be a player and he could be matching salary yeah i guess i feel like they have enough matching salary next year as it is with like Rui and gabe vincent like they they, they have middle class guys on the roster which you're right they haven't always had yeah i, I mean i i don't think that they're if they were going to make a move during this year i don't think that jared vanderbilt was good you know as an expiring $4.7 million contract. Presumably they are getting a, a player from a team that's bad. And then they're like, that team doesn't need Jared Vanderbilt going yeah. into his walk year on a $4.7 million contract. So I, I don't think it hurts them that much. I just thought it was kind of interesting, but uh, how do you feel about just that general contract for, for that player uh, in the vacuum, just in terms of it's fine. Value? I mean, that's right. That's more or less what he's worth. Yeah. I mean, I don't think guys like him get above the MLA just because there's too many concerns about how do you use them in a playoff game yeah no i i I think you're right i think it's and by the end of that contract the mle uh, will be a a fair amount more than that so i think that's okay uh you know the player option in the last year how old is he he's like mid-20s so i I think like getting him for like that that's the part that i thought was maybe a little excessive is the player option but the lakers are not ones to really tighten the screws uh, on contract negotiations like this yeah they actually gave out uh five player options this summer gabe vincent yeah, did not get one but that's just like a, a regular tuesday for ralph palinka though <laughs> but jackson hayes austin reeves cam reddish d'angelo russell jared vanderbilt christian wood all with player options now some of those are deals that you probably yes you probably ought to have done with a player option like christian wood you weren't getting it without doing a one plus one with a player option right austin reeves yeah. that the first three years on that contract are like a hilarious win for the lakers fine player option on the fourth um 
Cam Reddish? <laughs> um, well, Vanderbilt, so I'm, I, I'm not so sure about yeah. it. I mean, but like, they're not, I don't think they're going to be in a situation next year where like that's going to hurt them if they need to move on from it. And and they could also, if the guy really has nothing, they could always do the have him decline the player option and then just sign him to a minimum and save a little bit of cash that way. The, the, we'll call that the Montrez Harrell. When the guy oh. opts in, when when the guy opts into the plus one of his minimum player option by by or, opting or, or out and signing out a new minimum, so that so that both sides end up with more money because the because uh, the league is playing the p- paying the differential. Yeah, that was a yeah. that was a nice piece of accounting by the Sixers right there. Uh, Philly is another team, by the way, who's over on the, the roster limit right now. I think they may end up cutting Harrell. Yeah, I think that they'll probably have to uh, since he tore his ACL. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think any of those player options are going to kill him. I mean, just, I don't know whether the likes of Wood and Hayes and Reddish signed the paperwork saying that they uh, like giving up their right to block a trade. Russell is the only one I know of. Right. Yeah, me too. I mean, that one, it was essential that he do that. Yeah. For, for their purposes. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Ah, yeah. This is what I want to hit on. Okay. Buddy Heald and the Pacers have begun talks to find a potential trade, according to The Athletic. Yeah. Uh, okay, fine. Neither side could reach an agreement on an extension. Okay, sure. I think Indiana is potentially getting crowded at the two. If you look at the guys they brought in, Benedict Matherin, Bruce Brown, they drafted Ben Shepard, although based on Summer League, I don't know if we need to worry about that much. That much. Um, still have Andrew Nemhard, who they've kind of played as a two at times, and just playing these very small perimeter lineups all the time. Like, ideally, they would trade Buddy Hill for somebody who is six foot seven. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so two questions for you then. If you were Buddy Heald, what would you be looking for in an extension? And if you were the Pacers, what would you be looking for in a Buddy Heald trade? I think Buddy's probably like a twenty million dollar player. Is he? Do you think you think he's worth more or less? I, I just think his his shooting is really valuable. Nothing else he does is, but the the shooting piece of it. I mean, to shoot at the volume and accuracy that he does, really. Oh, there's only like two or three other guys in the league who do it. He took a step forward last year in terms of his shot selection. Like, had I think the best true shooting of his career because he cut out some of the the long two bullshit. Wasn't doing as much kind of needless pick and roll the way he was in Sacramento. But this this will shock you, John. But Buddy Heald is older than you think. <laughs> Did he gain two years again this summer? Uh, no, but I think this is going to be, let me double check here. Yeah, this could be his age 31 season already. So you're talking about an extension that kicks in for his age 32 season. Yeah, I don't know about 20 million a year for that. Like, It's hard for me to say that this guy is going to be a star. Now, maybe, you know, if it's a Boyan Bogdanovich type, uh, we'll give you a year and then maybe a partial guarantee on the next year after that sort of extension at 20 million. That I might consider. Uh, but for Indiana, worth noting that their cap space, you know, it kind of depends, right? They, they could have $50 million in space, depending on what they do with McConnell or Bruce Brown. I imagine Bruce Brown probably comes back. And so, but they they could, in theory, have $30 million in space. And I don't know if they want to 
essentially take themselves out of the cap space derby with the healed extension i think they see healed as a bench piece long term he doesn't see himself that way so i'm guessing their offer which would have been my offer too would be more commensurate with you know kind of a a a bench guard maybe a couple of years in the the mid-teens and you know i think he's looking to go somewhere and start yeah and you know just thinking about this a little more i wonder if the real breakdown was over years more than dollars at his age because it would make sense for indy to limit their offer and it would make sense for buddy to be like oh yeah sure i'll stay here if you give me three years yeah and and the role too i mean they they're they're already apparently going to be starting ben matherin when i think they should actually be starting buddy because they're pretty low on shooting if they don't have him uh yeah so matherin was also pretty erratic the second half of last year i mean yeah that's gonna be interesting but it's also you know it's reflective of where the pacers are too and i think good on them for being honest about where they are right now and where they're headed in in terms of they, they know this isn't the final product right now and that they're still building toward whatever you know the 2025 version of this team with Halliburton and hopefully Turner and whoever else is going to be and they're not there yet and so I think if you're if you're if you're in Golden State's position with Draymond Green it's a different conversation right because you you know you you're at a championship level or you perceive yourselves to be that way and so you yeah you're gonna you're gonna push to keep the guy no matter what and I just don't think Indy's in that position and they recognize that so to me if I'm Indy though unless I get a first round pick I don't really want to trade him right now I don't think that the offer I don't think that's going to be out there unless it's maybe in concert with taking back some bad salary um so and like he is going to help them this year I think they do need him Uh, to me I would just unless there's some overwhelming offer which I don't know what it would be I'd hold on to him and uh, all right we'll just we'll see what happens at the trade deadline we'll see what happens uh, next offseason we will have your bird rights like we'll pay you know maybe we'll we'll offer you two years at above the mid-level and that might be your best offer and you come back anyway but I don't want to just like give up on a good player for this year when they're trying to be good for a couple of seconds or something at this point specifically what do you think about after December 15th uh buddy healed for Rui Hachimura oh it, it, so the Lakers get another guard under 6'5 and yeah, the Pacers yeah. get get another semi-starting power forward <laughs> You have turning my trade into Swiss cheese. Um, but no, I mean, there, yeah, I've, of course, uh, Buddy's been the apple of the Lakers' eye for some time. But but again, like Buddy's not gonna like. How many teams are gonna bring him in as a starter? That's that's the question to me. And if you're not bringing him in as a starter, you're not willing to give up uh, really enough for Indiana to want to make the deal. Yeah, I think that's basically true. I I guess I I see the end game more as a player for player trade than as. Uh, than as trading him for picks. I think it's I think it's really hard to do something for expiring garbage and picks with, with him. Yeah. So, I mean, my prediction is that he doesn't get traded, at least not before the season starts. I, I don't have any expectation of him being traded before December 15th, certainly. I I just think there's there's not enough guys who are in play yet for that to for that to really make sense. 
And um, even for and even yeah. for Indy, like I know they're not trying to be good this year, but to just get back a nothing player, and unless you're getting really good draft equity, like I don't, I don't really see the angle for them either. Yeah, I mean, I think they're like trying to be good within the limits of also developing your young talent and seeing what you have with the likes of Jarris Walker and and Matherin. Yeah, because it appears, I mean, b- between Walker or Toppin, like they're playing one of the young guys is playing all the power forward minutes, and then they seem pretty committed to to Matherin. Uh, they just drafted Shepard. We'll see how much he plays, but like Nemhard's a big part of what they're doing now. So, you know, I think Jackson might be the backup five. So, yeah, a lot, lot of guys that they want to get in the mix. All right, let's see. What else do we have here? Yeah, so this is interesting. Uh, Kobe Altman was arrested for whatever the Ohio equivalent of a DUI is. I think OWI. I'm not sure what that TLA is exactly. Uh, and, you know, the team admitted the usual statement about gathering more facts, uh, etc. Uh, we hold our team members to a high standard of conduct, etc. So to the extent there is any at all, how does this work now in terms of like potential discipline for a coach or executive? Because you know, they're, of course, not for a player. It's, it's subject to the CBA. It's not the case with the coach or executive. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what happened. There was something like this with Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta. And I'm trying yeah. to remember how that was uh, resolved. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up while you're talking. But in general, uh, what are kind of, I guess, really the idea is there, there are no rules on it. Yeah, there's not. There's not. I mean, there's no CBA on this. So there's no precedent. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like this was 2013, so this was a while ago. But it doesn't look like there was any penalty from the league uh, when uh, Budenholzer had his DUI. Uh, well, I think that's because he eventually was found not guilty. Oh, look at this! <laughs> wow, yeah, we do such we do such a good job of a society as a society of reporting the initial arrest and then not reporting when the guy actually is found not guilty. Uh, so it's which it, that's. Uh, I, I think generally journalism could do a little better of a job that <laughs> of uh, to to follow up uh, on some of these initial things. Uh, well, the Atlanta Journal Constitution story on this is unavailable in most European countries. So, uh, oh, I, yeah, I'm I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Uh, but he was found guilty of driving with a broken taillight and fined one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah, coach, yeah. coach, get get your taillight fixed. You're making <laughs> you're making millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, back back to the more serious conversation. So there's no there, there's language in in front office contracts that basically you know don't do anything you know detrimental to the to the to the team's uh, public image or whatever um, that this could loosely fall under. I mean that would be more like a penalty applied by the team though, whether it was a suspension or a fine. So in terms of what the league might do. Uh, that there there's really no yeah i can't uh, guideline, remember no yeah. guideline that i know of for what they're supposed to do in that situation and obviously i mean the one thing the league has always done is they've waited for the legal process to play out first so whatever yeah. happens with kobe altman in the courts in ohio is going to happen first before adam silver does anything on top of that yeah and that uh, he, he has uh pled not guilty i believe so it could take a while on that um Okay, I think that's about it here. Oh, I guess the only other one is uh, Jose Alvarado 
suffered an ankle sprain during a workout and probably not gonna be ready for the starter camp seems like he at least with the current timeline always a question with the pelicans could be ready for the start of the season how big of a deal is it for someone like alvarado to miss a lot of camp but someone who kind of has his spot secure in the rotation but you know maybe isn't going to come back until you know the last few days of camp or something like that i'm not sure it matters that much yeah i it's the same coach i <sighs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd like to have him at camp, but at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm just not sure it matters that much. Yeah, now he did miss the summer. He did miss the last, I think, month and a half or so of last season with this stress reaction. And so he's coming off a long layoff. I think it would be good to get him back. And so, and also for a guy who wasn't a good shooter and then really improved his shooting, you always kind of wonder if like with a layoff, are, are those guys more likely to fall off than the sort of natural shooter types? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just... Just another injury for the snake bit pals, but hopefully not one that's going to linger into the regular season. Ready for a little mailbag here? Sure, let's do it. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Okay, let's start with this. John Hagen asks, what do you think is the most likely team whose offseason you loved to have their moves blow up in their faces? (laughs) But I love their (laughs) offseason. All right, well, whose offseason do you love first? Let's let's, let's start with that. I thought the Lakers had a good offseason. I thought the Phoenix Suns did and did not have a good offseason. But I thought the free agency part of their offseason was outstanding. Sorry, who was that last name? Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay. Uh, I I did. I really. I liked pretty well what the Celtics did, but it's definitely high risk. Like that's one that certainly could blow up in their faces very easily. Now we'll see what how good Marcus Smart is too, because I think a big part of my thinking of liking that for the Celtics was they're like, oh, you have this formula, you have this status quo. I thought Marcus Smart was a pretty big decline risk over the next year or two, and so I don't know that retaining the status quo with him was as much of a option as people seem to think it was and also the fact that they needed some kind of replacement for al horford as well and so they kind of removed the risk from smart and now you have a replacement for horford although you also of course take on some risk health wise and fit wise in porzingis as well so yeah i mean it could definitely go very wrong it's just such a radical change even if i thought from an asset and a talent standpoint they did well 
So I like their offseason. Um, I thought they needed another big, and they got a really good one, and one who specifically can do something their other bigs cannot, which is score against a switch, which I think is important because I, I do think Boston had this tendency to get stale where it was just Tatum dribbling, dribbling, dribbling against a switch and guys just kind of standing around a little bit. And Porzingis, I, he's not an amazing post player, but him posting up against against a switch is a real threat and another thing another, the other team has to consider in, mm-hmm. in what personnel they use and how they operate. And he loves to just flick that shot off the backboard, you know, from that 15-foot range. So I, I really like him for that. And I just thought they needed another big anywhere. Anyway, I thought Horford was really starting to show his age in the postseason. Robert Williams is kind of permanently questionable. So, like, they just needed another big in that mix. And so I thought that was a really good move for them. Ironically, the 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 thing where it may hurt them is now they have to mend fences with Malcolm Brogdon because he was originally going to be in their in their deal with the Clippers that blew up. Yeah, I mean now, of course, if they could have done that iteration of the deal, I mean that would have been even better to have both Smart and Porzingis still. But in the end, it, it I, wasn't possible. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they were going to have Smart either way. Oh, you think they would have just moved him regardless? I think they. they I think they might have done a similar deal with Memphis at the end of the day. Huh. Okay. Even had they done the Porzingis thing by a Brogdon. Uh, yes. Hmm. Okay. Oh, and maybe got Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones would have been Brogdon. Exactly. Interesting. Um, let's see. Who else's offseason did I like that could kind of blow up for them? Yeah, I mean, Phoenix is a good one to mention. I mean, but that's that's one where it's like, the, we're talking about minimum contracts here, right? So it's it, like, oh, they should have signed different minimum guys? Like, no, I think they did the best <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i guess well of course there's the beal component of it too but it just like i i'm not sure like oh they would have done be- better with beal than like they're so committed they're so all in and committed anyway even before the beal deal that it's hard for like there isn't that much opportunity cost to me for the beal deal for the sun so just part of why i liked it for them what did you think of Golden State's offseason? I didn't think it was a home run, but I did like it, mostly due to just the, like, uh, moving on from Poole and his contract. They had to do something there financially, and then getting a guy who could be a part of the next trade in Chris Paul in a way that maybe Jordan Poole couldn't have been because of the long-term yeah. money. And then they brought back Draymond Green as well. You know, you got to feel good about that. So uh, that's, uh, you know, I, I mean, Pajemski, that that pick is just, you know, that, that you weren't... You you're not going to say that's going to be a disaster or something. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. But, you know, we could see Chris Paul just kind of ruin things by, like, demanding to start or whatever. I, I think that's probably going to be an overblown concern. He could also just be done. But I, I think this is just it, it was kind of necessary to do all that. Um, see, you know, I, Houston, I'm with you all the yeah, way. Sorry. I thought I thought I thought it was a great move to trade Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. But it definitely has the potential to blow up in their face. Yeah, I mean, if Chris is just like Jordan Poole, might Jordan Poole might be really good at relying on him, you know. So yeah, but he was. I think what people are gonna miss about that whole thing is that even if he is, he never would have been that in Golden State. He never would have started in Golden State. Just wasn't gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's gonna play shooting guard in in Washington, which is what he is. Um, and uh, his playoff defense. uh, I'm gonna say it won't be exposed uh, in Washington. (laughs) I I feel pretty confident about that. Um, let's see who else is there that like it could really the big move i mean houston i don't think so just because 
Like their books are so open. They got the best player to change teams in free agency and they don't have their pick. They don't like to me, if they had their pick this year, I would not have been maybe as on board with what they did. But since they don't have their pick or it's only top four protected, it's like, well, uh, I mean, and that Van Vliet deal is, is only two years. Like it's really hard to me for that to blow up. Uh, and they, they took the obvious guy at number four too. I mean, yeah. So, so that's, I, I like their off season pretty well. And I don't, I don't think there's a lot of downside risk there. So yeah, I can't really, I don't think anything else comes to mind for me. Yeah. Well, especially when you narrowed it down to like the teams we, you know, whose off seasons we liked. Well, yeah. there's a reason we liked them. Yeah. But, but Boston to me is the, that's the obvious one. Um, yeah. As one that we like that, that definitely has a lot of risk, but I, I, I didn't mind that. Okay. You want to pick one? Uh, okay. This is an interesting one. We'll probably be ad-libbing a little, but I don't think we've talked about this. Uh, Michael asks, what players are you expecting to have big leaps in output, whether it be opportunity or improvement? Yeah, well, Poole, we're, who we were just talking about, he's got to be at the the top of that list uh, for sure. Um, big leaps in outputs. Uh, I have a name that I think is a little below. And Kate Cunningham radar. has to be on that. Sorry, who are you saying? Oh, Kate Cunningham. That's a that's a that's a good name. Yeah, I think this is this is the year where we find out kind of what Detroit really has with him. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's right. And hopefully, you know, he's I'm, gonna. I'm slightly nervous for the Pistons. What the answer is, but <laughs> we'll we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he, he wowed everyone in those those Team USA scrimmages, but that that of course is uh, you know that Team USA wasn't very good. So I mean, what can you really take away? We, we saw we saw how bad they're they're giving up a one forty one uh, defensive rating. So uh, obviously, yeah. they're pretty easy to score on those guys. Yeah, I mean, Cade was good, but he's no Daniel Tice, right? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like austin reeves it seems like they're really gonna try to do more through him this season and that they're really pumping him up a lot now he'll still sort of be the him starting in the backcourt with d'angelo russell is still kind of interesting i talked about this with yovan the other day of how the reeves and russell fit like russell really should be coming off the bench but that politically they probably feel like they can't do that uh oh here's a guy john okay desmond bain Desmond Bain is going to be the go-to guy for the first 25 games. I think he has a great chance to make the all-star team this year. I think the Grizzlies are going to be better than a lot of people think. And yeah, definitely a guy. I was actually going to say a different Memphis Grizzly, though. Okay. This is a deep cut. Uh, Santi Aldama. Hmm. I think with uh, Clark's probably going to miss most or all the season. Adams might not be back right at the beginning of the season. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Santi. Yeah, that, that'll be pretty interesting. He's, he's shown a, a little bit of scoring punch for sure. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, there's not. I'll have to do a little bit deeper of a dive here on this because I'm. You know, I think I think Devin Vassell might be another guy who he good one was was close to 20 points a game I think last year, but only played he played under 40 games with that knee issue and like now the Spurs are actually going to get a little bit more of a more attention. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Could Anthony Simons be a guy like that? I mean, isn't he basically already? getting all he could eat yeah i mean that's uh yeah you might be right on that i don't know i like i'm slightly skeptical but i was just thinking that actually i shaden sharp would probably be the better name to to mention there given the way he Maybe. closed last yeah. season jaden hardy is gonna get i think the first crack at basically the third ball handler in dallas and they're gonna ask him to have you know a 25 usage rate probably in that role that's an interesting one we'll see whether he's up to that or not yeah yeah this this dallas roster 
answer after the first two names. Oof. Uh, yeah, okay. I think that's about. Uh, I did my best there. I, I promised a more <laughs> thorough analysis of that right before. Uh, a, guy, a guy I think who's going to get a lot of mentions in this uh, would be Christian Braun. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess when I he's not really a production quote. That's the thing. Guy. I just don't know how much offensive juice he's going to give them. Uh, okay, let's do another one. Find it here. Ah, this is a good one. Sal Cart. Okay. Do you think owners like Mark Cuban and Steve Ballmer hurt their respective teams by being always there during practices and games, interacting with the players and team personnel? Do you think it creates unnecessary pressure, even if they were passive observant? I don't think so. Um, I think I, Cuban to me is the more interesting one because he's the one who probably observes boundaries the least. You know, yeah, he's right and down he's on- the most. He's the most active owner. I would say maybe Ishbi is is giving him a run for his money but in terms of like actually making the personnel evaluations i think he's yes. probably he, yes i'm not sure like steve Ballmer, i don't think is doing no 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 and he it's like steve Ballmer more it consumes the game as a fan and is you know is gonna ask questions of his front office as any as any owner would but at the end of the day he empowers his front office to to do stuff and i think cuban is much more involved at a granular granular level where he may have actually watch tape on the 43rd pick in the draft um well let me ask you this I mean, this isn't the same thing but what was your philosophy in being around the coaches and players uh, when you were there and how conscious were you of like the effect that your presence might have uh i i wasn't really worried about my my presence <laughs> impacting anyone <laughs> to be brutally honest the the, the yeah. only time you really had to be careful is in the say 48 hours leading up to the trade deadline don't be on your phone in front of the players <laughs> uh, <laughs> like even if it's your wife calling or whatever like it just it just just makes people nervous just don't do it uh, but uh, otherwise like uh you know, it was the, the most interesting part to me was that mentally you almost had to operate with this arm's length uh, men- mentality because you knew at any moment you had to be willing to trade these guys. And so you sort of, I felt like that's it, it, it made it, I guess, more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? D- dispassionate, perhaps? Yeah, like so, you, yeah. you, you kind of wanted to hold yourself back from getting close with players because you knew at some point you were going to have to, especially like that, not so much with like guys like Mark and Mike, where you knew they weren't going anywhere. It, it, it wasn't quite like that, but definitely like with some of the, with some of the role players where it's like, you're, you're good. I like you, uh, but I don't know how long you're going to be here because you're, you're a middle-class contract and you guys always get traded, so, you know? So that, 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 that part was maybe a little, was a little challenging, but just, and like just in terms of being around the, being around the team, like on the day to day, watching a shoot around or whatever like i half the time like i don't even think they really noticed like i was there would it have been inappropriate to go into the locker room after games like when a coach is giving a speech or, or before a game or something is that like a line that you drew at all yeah uh before before the game uh definitely not um i'd say let me rephrase that yes before the game i'd be in there to you know if i need to talk to people or do stuff or whatever but around t minus 30 minutes or whatever like yeah <laughs> there's there's no reason to be in there at that point uh and then in the immediate after 
aftermath of a game, same thing. Yeah, I mean, and like, quite, I, it doesn't seem to me that like you're going to be judging the coach on like, oh, did he give a good post game speech today? Like, that's not the yeah. sort of thing that you're. Yeah, like, I think the no, the, yeah. the only time I could remember being in the locker room was after we lost in Oklahoma City, where the entire front office was in there because we all talked to the, the players right after they came off the court, and we were all just in there and we had nowhere else to go, and so you know. But as as a general thing, the other you know 100 games or whatever of the season no you're not doing that so and i guess you know it's good to be in practice and like you want to know whether the guys are like i think like evaluating a coach on how well he's teaching and stuff like that i think that that seems like fair game to me i guess but from an owner perspective i guess for me i was i went down uh, to visit bob vulgaris a, a couple weeks ago here in spain he bought this third division soccer team and so he, he was kind enough to kind of show me around during a game and so you know we would we didn't go into the locker room we were sort of like walking around you know in like the bowels of the arena and, and stuff yeah. or, or i guess the, uh, the field and you know i was just kind of following around him around no one knew who i was uh it was funny at one point like you know the players came off the field and like they're high-fiving and I, like they went to high-five me i'm like no don't high-five me i'm not important you, you don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh but but uh but it, that was interesting to me i mean you know i didn't think i didn't really take anything away from like what bob was doing it was it, he didn't really do anything that was particularly noteworthy in any way but i was just sort of thinking about it. I was like yeah this is someone that's got to just be in your mind of like you know what what is your image what effect are you having when when you're around um you know i mean there wasn't anything more than like a, a two-minute conversation with the coach before the game just like hey how's it going blah blah like just small talk um yeah so but i i was just thinking of that like yeah what's that got to be like as an owner like how do you what effect does your presence have i mean i think particularly if you're taking over an organization you know that this is not specific to bob it just kind of made me think of it but back to an nba discussion you've kind of got these guys who are you know maybe entrenched and you want to especially if you have a culture of losing like say the dallas mavericks did and when mark cuban took over and whatever it was 2000 yeah i think it is good to be around there and kind of say hey we're shaking things up we're going to be doing things differently uh but i also think it's important to just hire the right person to do that and then maybe take a little bit of a step back but it's like i think as long as you're not like trying to be buddies with the players and like just constantly around and being a distraction i think like it's fine i think you just got to kind of be yourself and your management style like these people didn't like get to the level of success that they've had at least most of them by like not being themselves by not putting their stamp on an organization and i think like in regular business most people like want the head honcho to be involved like there's some why is sports just like so different from yeah yeah i think there's that there's a level of involvement that's really good and then there's a level where they're where they run into the boundaries of their subject matter expertise and yeah. and that's that's the, that's usually the level where you start getting problems and then the, i'd say the other thing though i think the players are probably affected the least I think the, the like the coaches and the staffers like that more can be like especially if the owner's in town and he's not usually in town like that could be a very tense time for those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I think with the, more for the coaches and executives. I mean, for the players, I think just the main job is just remember that in your eyes, like or in their eyes, like you're probably just a fucking dork, and so just like you know, be nice and cordial, and like don't really try to like hang out. <laughs> Yeah. Beyond that. Yeah. Uh, okay. That, that's two, like maybe two more here. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. 
Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. You got one? Uh, uh, somebody here asked, did we, did we talk about this yet? Uh, Greek Crapode asked if Embiid asked out, what team do you think has the best package? No, we have not talked about that yet. And I guess as we're seeing with Damian Lillard, for example, it's not necessarily who has the best package, but it's also who has the best package that is somewhere he would potentially want to go. Yes, uh, which matters if you're, say, Oklahoma City, for instance. Yeah. Who clearly could put together the best package, but is that where he wants to go? And is that is that actually even the guy Oklahoma City wants to push their chips in on, given how young the rest of the roster is? That's another side question to consider. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the teams that have the most right now is what? San Antonio, OKC, Utah, at least in terms of future draft equity. Um, the, the thing yeah. that all these players are going to run into is if you make a list of the 10 places, and I'm being generous with 10 probably, where any of them want to go, the, those teams have all used their draft equity on other players already to build the teams they have. So it's really hard for them to build a package. Uh, New York. New York would probably be the best one. Yeah. And they They've, they've, of course, been rumored for with Embiid for myriad reasons at this point. And uh, Brooklyn would be the other because they have the yeah. Phoenix picks, even though they gave up their yeah. own. Yeah, although if they're getting Embiid, then their own uh, aren't as interesting, presumably. Although Brooklyn actually could start trading some of their own. Uh, up next offseason, they could trade a 29 and a 31, I believe. Uh, so. They can trade a 28 uh right now they can trade a 28 uh, and a 30 because the last true first they owe houston is in 26 okay plus obviously they have 25 27 29 from phoenix 29 from dallas yeah that's true i guess yeah that's the other thing too is they have they actually could trade their 27 although they, they owe swap rights on that uh as well but because they have another first outright that year so yes um yeah no that that's it's definitely interesting, but yeah, it seems like the Knicks, Joel Embiid in the Knicks does just seem like an excellent personality fit. Yeah. Like he, he is, he is kind of that big New York personality. He, he could, he could handle it. Yeah. With, I definitely, I agree with that. On the other hand, Brooklyn would be more hilarious because the matching salary would be Ben Simmons. <laughs> Well, I, I don't see this happening until at least next offseason. I agree. And, yeah. And probably not even until next trade deadline, right? Like they're, they're going to make whatever moves they're going to make next offseason. They have these cap space aspiration. And then I think it'll be see how it goes. And if it's really falling apart, maybe ass out in the middle of next year. Or if they just completely fail in free agency next offseason. Yeah. Actually, can we can we talk about Philly's cap space aspiration? Because, but like, how does that play out? Like, what? What, yeah, what, is, like, what is the thing they that they can getting? do with that space? Yeah. Okay, well, let's see here. Kawhi Leonard has a player option. LeBron James, Paul George. Uh, James Harden actually is, is a free agent. Uh, see, that's the thing I kept coming back to is that the best free agent that's actually gettable for them is James Harden. 
uh, Pascal or, Siakam, or, ta- or Tyrese Maxey, or Tobias Harris. <laughs> Pascal Siakam, fellow Cameroonian to Joel Embiid. And Anobi Siakam. That, th- those would be the two others, yeah. Uh, Drew Holiday, player option. Yeah. Or they can kind of go the the route of, yeah, I, I mean, Ananobi, DeMar DeRozan. You know, they could go the route of just trying to fill in with a bunch of really good role players around Embiid. That, that's a possibility, too, I suppose. Um, yeah, you do kind of wonder. Uh, I mean, this is another one. Miles Bridges to be an unrestricted free agent next year. Yeah. And if he comes back and has a really good year, I, I know. It's, I that's going to sports somebody's, wash everything. Somebody's going to be, uh, somebody's going to be tempted. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely going to sports wash if he if he plays well um yeah so i i think there are names out there and they they i think are of the belief that they'll be the only good team with cap space next offseason yes and they could they could end up trading into that cap space too obviously would be the other angle yeah no i mean they're especially as a team that's like ready to compete right then yeah i mean they're really yeah that's true I and mean, there really isn't anyone else i mean there's like an indiana and okc and uh, an orlando type those type of up-and-coming young team that could have max space but i don't think that uh, they are as good of a destination as philly for a team trying to win right away okay i'll pick one more here sure all right, this is the same thing. I'm going to go through. This is uh, Ben. Top 20 players who are more than 30% probability of leaving their team in the next two years. So I'm going to just open up my top 10 players in the NBA list from last year just to make this quick. Okay. And I'm just going to go through each name and you tell me whether you think there's a greater than 30% chance that they leave their team. So this is by like the end of 20, by the end of the 24-25 season? Yes. Okay. Giannis. Gone. Okay. Over 30% chance. Yeah. Steph Curry. Wouldn't say over 30%. No. Kevin Durant. No, I don't think he's leaving. Okay. And I, I believe, of course, this is this is my rankings from last year. There would be some changes if we did it mm-hmm. now. Kawhi Leonard. I think he's, yeah, I think he's LA for life. Yeah. It's like right on the borderline, though, because maybe they'll just decide they, I mean, he also has the player option, too. I, I agree. Less than 30%. Joel. I still think he ends up staying in Philly, but it's it's getting right to that 30% borderline. I think that's right. Um, Jokic, no. No. Luka Doncic. I think that's, uh, I'm going to say it has crossed into the 31% threshold. Well, so this is, this would have to be by, I think when it would happen would be. Do you think next. trade deadline 26? Well, or next off season, like this, I guess is within the next year. All right. Yeah. I guess that's two years from now. Yeah. So, so it would include next off season or, or two, two off seasons from now. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I would say yes on that one. Jason Tatum, that's a no. In fact, he would be untradeable for a year once he signs his designated player of better center, mm-hmm. uh, which he is already eligible for. LeBron James, player option next year. I know. I don't think he can rule it out, but it's not 30% for me. Yeah. I mean, there's the brawny noise, but absent that, I would say no. Why would he? I mean, he certainly wants to be in LA. Um, I don't know Lillard. if Brody yeah. is a one and done even given, you know, everything that's happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he wants to play with his father, he's going to be. And also, yeah. quite frankly, if he maybe wants to get drafted a little higher because of the possibility of playing with his father. Uh, although it seems like LeBron has sort of quiet turned down the noise on that. And maybe that's because his son was like, eh, Dad, I'm not sure if I want to do this. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Devin Booker, I'm going to say no. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Damian Lillard. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I look. Should we just schedule our, our pod for next week, like the day before media day, just to discuss the trade? Or see, I think media day is an entirely fake deadline, and I. How dare you say that about the media? Don't you know that the most important day of the entire season is having to get up in front of, of people and answer the questions that you were dodging all summer? <laughs> Yeah, I 
I just I just don't see what the like that should not be an urgency driver for any good organization. And so I think no. Portland's Portland's timing is just gonna be what it is, but it's hard for me to see Media Day really driving it. Now what could be driving it is other teams coming into camp and being like, Okay, like let's let's go, yeah. let's get our roster together. Like I think that's one of the reasons the pace of phone call seems to be picking up. Well, I mean the the media day thing it's especially for like a franchise legend like that, I do think that that is uncomfortable if that's some pain to be like okay well what are you doing with him is he actually practicing with the team like is he, you know playing preseason like you know what what's going on he's requested a trade dame you have to talk also like that's i do think that's negative publicity that they would like to avoid i would be i said this with danny the other day i would be shocked even if he's still there if he plays a second for this like i think they he's injured a fake injury at, at most or just they say hey, he's gonna be right. away from, um although could that run afoul of the resting i think policies? that would i think that would run afoul yeah, I think they specifically mentioned that too in like a, a separate heading that yep. you can't just you can't just John Wall the guy. Yeah, although I thought maybe that's with the the rest of the season. Um, yeah, because I think when we talked before, you said maybe you thought it might last until the trade deadline. I I I just as I think about their roster, I just I can't I can't do that. It's like, is Scoot going to come off the bench? Is Anthony Simons going to come off the bench? Like, Shaden Sharp's going to be the fourth guard? Like, it's just like you can't you you got to just fun. Like, are you really think you're going to get so much better of an offer at the trade deadline? Like, anyway, uh, Jimmy Butler don't really see it. No, nope. Paul George. Hey, I mean, he's got the player option. Maybe uh, Anthony Davis. Now he just signed the extension. Shea no John Morant that's a possibility if he has another incident and just ends up having to get traded yeah now that's interesting because that wouldn't be driven by the player that'd be driven by the team well but he I, at that point he's almost so toxic that no one would want that him. they're not going to get yeah they're not going to get fair value for him so uh Donovan Mitchell that's eh, a possibility I think that's a possibility and I think like if that was going to happen like next summer would seem to be the tipping point right yeah. I, I'll put that over 30 percent I'll put that yeah. over 30%. So, so who, that was our top 17. So that's probably enough. So Mitchell, Paul George is like right on the borderline for me. Kawhi is right on the borderline for me. Joel, I would say so? yes. I yeah. mean, I, I just think they really like being in LA. Yeah, but like, I mean, even if, what if they just like get injured or something too? Like, I, I think like if things go well, I agree with you. Like, what if things just go really poorly? Just like, and they're, and they're I mean, just I guess like, I could yeah. see the Clippers just like trading them. Like, is that? Yeah, possibly. But, uh, I don't know. That it's going to get interesting because, you know, negotiating on extensions with their player option years coming up and what does LA want to do there? Do they do they even want to do anything yet? That that's where it could get interesting. Yeah. I, I think that's true too. Like, I mean, it just the re- the reason I say it is like, you know, these extensions are not done. They've been extension eligible. These are not like Anthony Davis got done like the day he was eligible. Like that that yeah. not the case for these guys. So, so there does seem to be at least some kind of a some kind of a disconnect there. I mean, if they if they really want to be there that badly then maybe the clippers would be like okay we'll take a little bit less than the max uh, uh, opt out of your player option let's do two more years a little less than the max or something or, or two years in addition to what you already had or something like that um yeah so I, I would say like they're running the borderline so the the ones that i would say are Giannis, joel luca and of course lillard and then and maybe lebron so that's a pretty good number that's like five out of the top 17 that i had yeah so let's let's see this could this could get interesting these next couple years i guess yeah all right we should do it we should do a show like around the trade deadline see what happens <laughs> 
right, that, that's enough here. Thanks so much uh, for being subscribers. And John and I will be back on the once a week cadence here. We kind of have been in the last three weeks anyway. And uh, Danny and I, or at least uh, I and our, me and our guests, I'm so bad at ending the show. Please stay subscribed. We're going to do more shows soon. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to this free episode of Hollinger and Duncan. Again, if you want to subscribe to Dunked on Prime to get every episode of Hollinger and Duncan and much, much more, you can do so at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.